0: I hear Allah, ilaha war, We have with us, Et Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim لله Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Maliki Yawm al-Din Mustafi, عليهم، عليهم
1: After reciting the Tashahud, Tao's and Surah Al Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifa Tulmasi the fifth. Stated that the accounts of the military expeditions of the Muslims against the rebellious apostates are currently being mentioned. Further details regarding the expeditions of Hazrat Muhajir and Hazrat Ikrama against the apostates in the regions of Kindah and Hadar Maut are as follows. When Hazrat Muhajir established ground in Sana'a, he wrote to Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, informing him of everything he had done thus far. And while he was waiting for a reply, Maaz bin Jabal and various other governors from Yemen who had been serving in these positions since the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also wrote to Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, and sought permission to return to Medina. In reply, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala granted Maaz bin Jabal and the other governors the choice to stay in Yemen or to return to Medina with the condition of appointing someone else in their position. Having been given this choice, all of them returned to Medina and Hazrat Muhajir was instructed to join Ikrimah. And both of them were instructed to then go to Hazar and help Ziyad bin Labid. And keeping them in their respective positions, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed them to permit those who had been fighting along their side between Mecca and Yemen to return. If they wished to return, they could do so, unless people willingly wanted to participate in the jihad and gave it precedence. Ikrimah received a letter from Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala, and therein he was instructed to meet Muhajir bin Abu Umayyah who was approaching from Sana. Following this, both of them were told to head towards to the tribe of Kinda. After receiving this letter, Ikrmah left Mahra and stayed in Abiyan whilst waiting for Muhajir bin Abu Umayyah. Abiyan is the name of a township in Yemen and in Tariq At-Tabari, the following is recorded in relation to the expeditions against the apostates from the tribe of Kindah. It is said that prior to the apostasy, when the entire regions of Kindah and Hadar Maut had accepted Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had stated the following with regards to collecting zakat from them. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that some of the zakat collected from the people of Hadar Maut should be kept in Kinda and some of the zakat collected from the people of Kindah should be kept in Hadar That is, it should be sent to Hadar and it should be spent on one another. Similarly, some of the zakat collected from Hadar should be kept in Sukoon, and some of the zakat from Sukoon should be kept in Hadar Upon this, some individuals from Kindah stated that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, we do not have any camels, and so, if you deem it appropriate, then these people can travel to us on their mounts and deliver the zakat. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, in other words, to the people of Hadar Maut, that if you are able to do so, then you may act accordingly. Upon this, they stated that we will consider it, and if they do not have any animals as mounts, then we will act accordingly. However, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed away, and the time to collect the zakat approached, Ziyad called the people to him. And so they gathered around him, and Banu Walia, that is the people of Kinda, stated, that you should deliver the zakat to us, as you had promised the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And upon this they replied, that you have animals that can bear your burden, and so bring your animals and take the zakat. In other words, they refused to deliver the zakat themselves and the people of Kindar remained firm in their demand. (laughs) Thereafter, these people returned to their homes and their stance had changed. They would take one step forward and then another step back as it were. Since Ziyad was waiting for Muhajir, therefore he refrained from taking any action against them. In other words, he did not take any action against those who refused to offer zakat until Hazrat Muhajir had arrived. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala wrote a letter to Muhajir and Hazrat Ikrima instructing them both to set out for Hadar Mawd and to keep Ziyad upon his post. He told them that those living in the area between Mecca and Yemen should be given permission to return except those who wish to take part in jihad by their own choice. and he also instructed that Ubaidah bin Saad should be sent to help Ziyad. Hence, Hazrat Muhajir implemented these instructions. He set out from Sana'a towards Hazar Malk, and Ikrimah set out from Abiyan towards Hazar Malk. And they both met at a place called Ma'arib. Both individuals crossed Suhaid Sahara, after which they reached Hazar Malk. When the people of Kinda became upset with Hazrat Ziyad and returned, Hazrat Ziyad took up the responsibility of collecting Zakat from the Banu Amr. A youngster from Kinda accidentally gave his brother's camel to Hazrat Ziyad as Zakat. And Hazrat Ziyad branded the camel with fire in order to indicate that it was part of the Zakat. In other words, he placed a seal on it to indicate that it was part of the treasury of Zakat. When the boy requested for the camel to be exchanged as it had been given mistakenly, Hazrat Ziyad thought that he was merely presenting excuses and so he did not agree. Upon this, the boy who gave the camel called out to his tribe and Abu Sumed for help. When Abu Sumed asked Hazrat Ziyad for the camel to be exchanged, Hazrat Ziyad remained firm upon his stance. And so, this angered Abu Sumed and he forcibly freed the camel, upon which the people with Hazrat Ziyad imprisoned Abu Sumed and his people and also captured the camel. They called out to one another for help, as a result of which Banu Muawiyah came to support Abu Sumed. The Banu Muawiyah belonged to Banu Haris bin Muawiyah and Banu Amr bin Muawiyah, which were branches of the Kinda tribe. They requested Hazrat Ziyad for the release of their people. However, Hazrat Ziyad refused to do so until they dispersed. Hazrat Ziyad stated that he would consider doing so once they had left. But when they did not disperse, Hazrat Ziyad leveled an attack against them, which resulted in many of their men being killed, whilst others fled. Upon returning, Hazrat Ziyad released their prisoners. However, those people returned and began preparing for war. Hence, Banu Amr, Banu Haris, Ashas bin Qais and Simt bin Aswad returned to their fortresses and refused to offer zakat and became apostates. As a result, Hazrat Ziyad gathered his army and attacked Banu Amr which led to many of their men being killed whilst those who were able to fled. And a large number was imprisoned by Hazrat Ziyad and sent them to Medina. Along the way, Ashas and Banu Haris waged an attack on the Muslims whereby they freed their prisoners from them. After this incident, many of the surrounding tribes joined these people and also announced their apostasy. Upon this, Hazrat Ziyad wrote a letter to Hazrat Muhajir seeking help and Hazrat Muhajir appointed Hazrat Ikrimah as his representative and then along with his men attacked Kinda. The people of Kinda fled to one of their fortresses called Nujer, which was another fortress located in Yemen near Hadar Maut. There were three entrances to this fortress. Hazrat Ziyad lay siege to one while Hazrat Muhajir encamped by the other. And the third remained under the control of the people of Kinda until Hazrat Ikrama arrived, upon which he took over the third entrance as well. The armies of Hazrat Ziyad and Hazrat Muhajir comprised 500 Muhajireen and Ansar companions, along with other tribes. When those under the siege in the Nujair fortress realised that the Muslims continued to receive reinforcements, they became extremely frightened, due to which their leader Ashas immediately went to Hazrat Ikrima and wanted to establish peace. Hazrat Ikrama took Ashas to Hazrat Muhajir and Ashas sought refuge for himself and nine others on the condition that he would open a door to the fortress for the Muslims. And so Hazrat Muhajir accepted this condition. When Ashas wrote the names of those nine people, he forgot to write down his own name out of haste and due to his state of great fear. He then took what he had written to Hazrat Muhajir who endorsed it with his seal. When Ashas returned and opened the door to the fortress, the Muslims entered and when a battle ensued between the two armies, 700 people from the Kinda tribe were killed. The people in the fortress fought back, however their men were killed and a thousand women were captured. Thereafter, Hazrat Muhajir asked for the written agreement for protection and pardoned the people whose names were written in it. However, the name of Ashas was not included. Upon this, Hazrat Muhajir intended to kill him, but on the request of Hazrat Ikrima, he was sent along with the other prisoners to Hazrat Abu Bakr so that he himself could make a decision regarding his case. When news of the Muslims' victory along with the prisoners reached Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, he sought out Ushas and stated that you were deceived by the Banu Waliyah and they are not such that you could deceive them and nor did they deem you capable of doing so, they were ruined and caused your ruin as well. And do you not fear that you are among those whom the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him prayed against? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had cursed four leaders of the Kindar tribe who had accepted Islam alongside Ash'as but then later became apostates. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala stated, How do you think I will treat you? Upon this, Ash'as replied, That I do not know what you intend to do. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala stated, that I believe that you should be killed. Ashas replied that I am responsible for making a settlement that saved the lives of 10 people from my tribe. Therefore, how am I deserving of death? Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala stated, that did the Muslims entrust you with this matter? He replied in the affirmative. Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala then stated, that when they entrusted this matter to you, and you came to them, did they give you a seal of approval? Again, he replied in the affirmative, Hazrat Abu Bakr then stated that the resolution detailed in the documents becomes mandatory once it bears the seal of approval. Before that you were merely trying to negotiate. When Ashas became fearful for his life, he submitted that if you perceive even a speck of goodness in me, then please free these prisoners and pardon my mistakes and accept me into the fold of Islam. He further stated that treat me as you would any other person in my situation and also return my wife to me. It is recorded that before this incident took place, once ushers came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he came bearing a marriage proposal for the sister of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Farwa binti Abu Kahafa. And Hazrat Abu Kahafa married his daughter to him and decided that he would send his daughter off with Ashas upon his next visit. And according to one author, Umm Farwa was the daughter of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But in any case, after the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him passed away and Ashas became an apostate, he became fearful that his wife would not be returned to him. And so Ashas submitted to Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu you will find me among the best of people in your vicinity in the service of the religion of Allah. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr spared his life and accepted him into the fold of Islam and returned his family to him. Following this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, I go forth, and from now on I should only hear of good things about you. In this way, Hazrat Abu Bakr also freed all the prisoners who returned to their respective regions. And according to one narration, because Ashas was guilty of breaching a pledge made to his tribe, he dared not return to them. And after being freed, he remained in Medina with Umm Farwa. And in the time of Hazrat Umar when the battles in Iraq and Syria were taking place, Ashras was also among the Muslim armies that set forth to fight against the Iranians and Byzantines. And he contributed exceptionally in these battles and thus regained the respect of the people and restored his diminished reputation. Thus, until peace and security were not established and the Islamic government was not firmly re-established. Hazrat Muhajir and Hazrat Ikrima remained in Kinda and Hadar These were the last battles fought against the rebellious apostates. And following the completion of these expeditions, rebellion was completely eradicated and all the tribes came under the rule of Islam. And to maintain peace and security in that region, and to utterly subdue any and all means that would give rise to rebellion, Hazrat Muhajir employed the same strict measures he had demonstrated in Yemen. Hazrat Abu Bakr <laughs> wrote to Hazrat Muhajir, instructing him to oversee either Yemen or Hadramaut, from which he chose Yemen. And due to this, there were two leaders appointed over Yemen. And whilst addressing those governors who made efforts against the rebels and apostates, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu wrote, in my view it is preferable that you only assign governmental roles to those who have remained pure of any blemish of apostasy and rebellion. Although many had reverted to Islam, but Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu told them to be wary of those who had previously become apostates or engaged in rebellion. Hazrat Abu Bakr then stated that all of you should comply with this regulation and act accordingly and those among your army who wish to return should be given permission to do so and under no circumstances should you seek help of any rebel or apostate in your jihad against the enemy. Whilst highlighting these battles under the leadership of Hazrat Abu Bakr many authors, especially biographers of this era, usually assert that this jihad was waged against the false claimants of prophethood and they were rooted out by the force of the sword, and this was their punishment in light of the Islamic Sharia. However, one who has studied history could never support such assertions. As was mentioned before in light of the Holy Qur'an, the blessed practice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the Ahadith, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, never acted against an individual because they claimed prophethood. And nor did Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala undertake these expeditions for the purpose of silencing false prophets. In fact, the real cause for taking such measures was their rebellious behaviour. And whilst elaborating on the reason why the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, waged war against claimants of prophethood, Hazrat Musleh Mawd radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, And Mawlana Madudi Sahib has written that the companions fought against all those who claimed prophethood after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, this goes against the narrations of the companions. Mawlana Madudi Sahib ought to remember this was written whilst he was still alive, that he ought to remember that those who claimed prophethood after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and against whom the companions fought, all of them had rebelled against the Islamic government and they had all openly declared war against it. Hazrat, Hazrat, it. Hazrat Muslim Aud further writes, the Molana makes a tall claim of having read the Islamic literature, but before expressing his opinion on this matter, if only he had studied the history of Islam, and he would have learnt that Musalma Khazab, Aswad Ansi, Saja bin Teharis and Tulayha bin Khalid Asadi had all refused to comply with the government in Medina. Moreover, they all claimed to have established their governance in their respective areas. Hazrat Musleh Aud radiyallahu ta'ala further writes, If he had carefully read Tariq ibn Khaldun, it would have been evidently clear that his, i.e. Mulana Sahib's view was wrong. For it is written in Tariq ibn Khaldun, that news of the apostasy of all the Arabs, whether it was the general population or the prominent people, began to reach Medina. And it was only the Quraysh, and the Saqif tribes that did not fall prey to apostasy. And the issue of Musalmah escalated greatly, and that they and Asa's tribe pledged their obedience to Tulaha bin Khuelid. The Qatfaran tribe also apostatized, and Hawazin tribe stopped paying the zakat, and the chiefs of the Banu Salam also became apostates. And the various leaders who had been appointed by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in Yemen, Yamama, Bani asad and similarly in various other towns and cities, returned and stated that all of the Arabs had refused to show obedience. Hazrat Abu Bakr عنه, waited for Usama to return and then he would fight against them. However, the tribes of Abbas and Zubyan quickly went and encamped in Abraq, which was close to Medina. Similarly, other people encamped in Zulkassa and some of the people from the Bani Asad and Bani Kanana also joined them. They all sent delegations to Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anho, and set out their demand that they were willing to only accept his commandments pertaining to prayer. In other words, all of these people gathered around Medina and stated that they were willing to comply with the commandment of prayer, but they would not pay the zakat. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr refused this demand of theirs. Hazrat Muslim Aud further writes that from this reference it is clear that the people who the companions fought against were those who rebelled against the government and they refused to pay the tax and attacked Medina. They all gathered around Medina and threatened to attack if their demands were not met. And during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Musalma wrote to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in which he stated that he had been commanded that half of the Arab land was his and half of the Quraysh. And after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he expelled Sumama bin Usal, who had been appointed as the governor of Hajar and Yamama and instead became the governor of that area himself, and attacked the Muslims. He also captured two companions who had come from Medina, Habib bin Zayd and Abdullah bin Wahab, and forced them to accept his prophethood. This has been mentioned before as well, that out of fear, Abdullah bin Wahab complied with what he said. However, Habib bin Zayd refused to accept. Following this, Musalmah cut him limb by limb and burnt him. And those who had been officially appointed by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in Yemen, he imprisoned some of them and also handed out strict punishments to some of the others. Similarly, At-Tabari has written that Aswad Ansi also rebelled and began to give trouble to those who had been officially appointed as governors by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and he commanded that the wealth from the Zakat be taken from them. He also attacked Shahar bin Bazan in Sana, who had been appointed as the governor of the city by the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He killed many Muslims, ransacked the area, killed its governor and then married his Muslim wife against her will. The Banu Najran also rebelled and they joined Aswad Ansi, and they expelled two companions from their area, Amr bin Hazm and Khalid bin Sa'id. From these incidents, it is evident that the companions did not fight against these people because they claimed prophethood from among the Ummah of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and claimed to spread his faith. In fact, the companions fought against them, because they were trying to abrogate the Islamic laws and they were trying to establish their own laws instead. They claimed to be the rulers of their respective areas and not just that, they also killed the companions. They attacked the Muslim lands and they rebelled against the existing government and they announced to be completely free and independent. Hazrat Hazrat Muslim Aud further writes and thus, in light of these events, for Mulana Mududi Sahib to say that all of the companions fought against those who made claim to prophethood is completely untrue. If someone claimed that the noble companions considered the killing of humans lawful, then would this view be justified simply because Musalma Khazab and Aswat Ansi were also humans? Hazrat Musleh Maud ta'ala, further writes, that those who misrepresent Islamic history are not rendering any service to Islam. And if their objective is to truly serve Islam, then the truth should be given the utmost importance, and they ought to completely refrain from falsehood and from misrepresenting the historical incidents. In any case, by putting an end to these people, the rebellion was completely uprooted in the entire Arab land and a historian has written that now all the rebellions had been put to an end and all of the apostates had been crushed. The meticulous planning and the swift manner in which Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala, completely quelled this disorder which had spread across the entire land, reflects his outstanding abilities. It is evidently clear that he was granted divine support and succour at every step. To subdue the disorder from the apostates and rebels and to re-establish the authority of Islam in the Arab land in just less than a year was indeed a remarkable feat. Hazrat Hazrat Abu Bakr was extremely happy at the victory of Islam but there was not a single trace of any pride or arrogance in this happiness. This is because he knew that everything happened owing to the blessings of Allah and through His benevolence. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala'anhu, knew that he did not possess the power to be able to defeat the powerful armies of the apostates across the entire Arab land with just a handful of Muslims and thereby raise aloft the flag of Islam once again with all its glory and grandeur. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq was now faced with the task of what measures to take in order to strengthen the faith of Islam and enable it to reach its lofty heights. The sole objective of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq's political endeavours was to establish the authority of Islam and this desire would remain in his heart and mind in every moment of his life. After putting an end to the rebel apostates, Everyone was now convinced that no mischief-maker could now stand against the khalifa of the Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But unlike the general public, Hazrat Abu Bakr was not under any false hope. He knew that the external powers could revive those who sought to instigate apostasy and rebellion and thereby create disorder once again. In other words, the disorder may have just stopped temporarily and that the external powers in the form of powerful governments who opposed Islam could create disorder once again at the borders of the Arab land. Hence, Hazrat Abu Bakr was not under any kind of false hope. And so, in order to safeguard themselves from the uprising of the Arabs, Hazrat Abu Bakr felt it appropriate to turn their attention towards Iran and Syria, so that they could not get the chance to create disorder against the government. And in this way the Muslims would feel at peace, and they will be able to freely practice the injunctions of their faith. And so, in order to protect the borders of the Arab land and to safeguard themselves from the strong enemy, it was necessary to convey the message of Islam to these powerful nations so that by accepting or understanding the universal message of Islam, they would not only live in peace themselves, but others would also be protected from them and will be able to live in peace and harmony and have the freedom to practice their religious beliefs. Regarding the method and wisdom Hazrat Abu Bakr Taala anho employed for this, it is written in a book of history that after the wars and expeditions against the rebellious apostates had come to an end, Hazrat Abu Bakr Taala Anhu began to ponder over the next course of action in order to provide a long-term protection to the Arab land and Islam from both Iran and Syria who were age-old enemies. Because even during the blessed life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, both of these powers wanted to make the Arabs subordinate to them. And upon the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, When the flames of apostasy and rebellion in many areas and tribes impacted the government in Medina, both these powers had a hand in instigating this in many of those areas. And taking advantage of this situation, the forces of the Byzantine Emperor began to gather in Syria and the Iranian forces gathered in Iraq. Therefore, it was not possible that Hazrat Abu Bakr whose first action in obedience to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's blessed instruction was to send Hazrat Usama's army against the Byzantines would remain without any fear or concern from these cruel and oppressive powers. However, before Hazrat Abu Bakr the Allahu ta'ala could even present his plan of action before the people, he received news that Hazrat Musanna bin Harissa who had helped to subdue the rebellious apostates in Bahrain he, along with his men, was heading north towards Iraq along the coast of the Persian Gulf. Eventually they reached those Arab tribes who had settled on the Delta areas of the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. Hazrat Musanna bin Harsa belonged to a tribe of Bahrain called the Bakr bin Vail tribe. Bahrain was situated between the Persian Gulf and Yamama and present-day Qatar and Emirates were part of the area of Bahrain. And its capital was Darin. In any case, Hazrat Musanna bin Harsa had fought against the rebels along with Hazrat Allah bin Hazrami. And Hazrat Musanna was the chief of those people in Bahrain and its surrounding area who remained established upon Islam and also over those who joined ranks with the Islamic armies to fight against the rebels. Hazrat Abu Bakr had not yet decided about the next steps when Hazrat Musanna reached Medina. Hazrat Musanna informed Hazrat Abu Bakr about the situation of the tribes that had settled around the Delta of the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. He informed Hazrat Abu Bakr that they were being subjected to harsh treatment by the locals of the area. The Arabs were mainly farmers in that area and when the crops would be ready for harvest, the locals would loot them. And so Hazrat Musanna bin Harsa suggested to send a Muslim army in order to save the Muslims from this trial. Hazrat Abu Bakr sought advice from the companions that were in Medina and presented Hazrat Musanna bin Harsa's advice before them. Since the people of Medina were unacquainted with the situation in Iraq, For this reason, they suggested to call Hazrat Khalid bin Walid and inform him of the entire matter and take his suggestion. In those days, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was present in Yamama and so Hazrat Abu Bakr summoned him to Medina. And upon arriving in Medina, Hazrat Abu Bakr told him about the suggestion of Hazrat Musanna with regards to sending an army to Iraq. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was also of the opinion that the expeditions which had been initiated on the borders of Iraq by Hazrat Musanna, if, God forbid, they faced defeat and the army of Hazrat Musanna retreated towards Arabia, then the Iranian leaders would become even more bold. And they would not only suffice with removing Hazrat Musanna's army from the borders of Iraq, but they would establish their control over the regions of Bahrain and the neighbouring areas. and they would then try to establish their authority and in such a case, it would prove to be harmful for the Islamic government. Therefore, he suggested that in order to be saved from this danger, he should be sent reinforcements. In other words, Hazrat Musanna should be given reinforcements and instead of allowing the Iranians to establish their rule, they should be subdued further so that Arabia never faces any danger from them. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid presented his opinion, and upon hearing this, the other companions also agreed with this suggestion of Hazrat Musannam. And so Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu appointed Hazrat Musannam as the commander of the army which he had taken towards Iraq, and he was given instructions that the other Arab tribes should join with him, and he should invite them to join the fold of Islam. He was also informed that very soon a contingent would be sent from Medina as reinforcements, with which he could make further advancements. However, some historians are of the opinion that Hazrat Musanna never went to Medina to ask for reinforcements, and nor did he meet with Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. In fact, he took his army to the delta area, and advanced far ahead and he came across the army of Hurmuz, the Iranian Commander-in-Chief. At the time, Hurmuz commanded the army on the borders and he was given the highest rank possible to any citizen by the Chosros. A battle between the armies of Hazrat Musanna and Hurmuz was underway when Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala received news of the events. At the time, Hazrat Abu Bakr was unaware of who Hazrat Musanna was. And when Hazrat Abu Bakr received news of these events, he made an inquiry and discovered that Hazrat Musanna rendered many remarkable services against the rebel apostates in Bahrain. Hazrat Abu Bakr ordered Hazrat Khalid bin Walid to take a contingent and help Hazrat Musanna in Iraq against Hurmaz. And then, after succeeding from there, they ought to head towards Hira. Hira was a city approximately three miles from Kufa and alongside this he ordered Hazrat Ayaz bin Ghannam to go to al-Jandal. Jandal. Dhumatul jandal was a fort and a settlement situated between Medina and Syria and according to the mode of transport in those days, it was at a distance of approximately 15 to 16 days travel. And having crushed the apostate rebels there, he was also ordered to go to Hira. Hazrat Ayaz bin Ghannam was a companion of the Holy Prophet, Peace and Blessings of Allah be upon him, and he accepted Islam prior to the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and was also part of it. When Hazrat Abu Ubaidah was close to his demise, he appointed Hazrat Ayaz as the Governor of Syria after him, and Hazrat Umar رضي kept him on this position and stated that I will not change the Governor who was appointed by Hazrat Abu Ubaidah. In any case, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that out of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid and Hazrat Ayaz bin Ghanam, whoever reached Hidar first, they would be the military commander of the operations in that area. And according to one narration, when Hazrat Khalid bin Walid finished from Yamamah, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed him to start from Fajul Hind, in other words, Ubullah, and make his way towards northern Iraq and that he was to gather people along the way and invite them to Islam and if they accept this, then that is well, otherwise to take jizya from them. However, if they refused to pay the jizya, then they were to fight against them. Hazrat, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala, also ordered him not to force anyone to fight alongside them and not to take help from anyone who apostatized from Islam, even if they accepted Islam again and also to include any Muslims along the way. Then, Hazrat Abu Bakr became occupied in arranging reinforcements for Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Whilst departing from Yamamah towards Iraq, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid divided his army into three parts. He did not dispatch them along the same route, rather, He dispatched Hazrat Musanna two days prior to his own departure. He then sent Adi bin Hatim and Asim bin Amr a day apart and Hazrat Khalid bin Walid departed at the end. And they all promised to gather at Hafir so that they could attack the enemy at once. And Hafir was situated at the first manzil from Basra to Makkah. And it is stated that all of the frontiers of the Persian Empire, Hafid was considered the most illustrious and magnificent frontier with regards to his strength and it was governed by Hurmas. The commander in chief of this area not only contended with the Arabs on land, but also faced danger from the people of India by way of sea. In any case, the numbers in Hazrat Khalid's army were very small and the reason for this is that firstly majority of the army had already participated in the Battle of Yamama and secondly, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala had commanded that if anyone did not wish to partake in the campaigns in Iraq, they were not to be forced. Alongside this, Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala issued a very important instruction, which was that they were not to include any person who had apostatized from Islam, even if they had returned to Islam, until he obtained special permission from the Khalifa. Hazrat Khalid bin Walid wrote to Hazrat Abu Bakr further reinforcements, but he only sent one man to assist them, Hazrat Kaka bin Amr. People were perplexed and asked that you are sending only one man to assist him, whereas a large part of Hazrat Khalid's army has become separated from him. Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu replied, that the army which comprises of a person like Kaka, that army cannot be defeated. Despite this, Hazrat Abu Bakr sent a letter to Khalid with Kaka which said to encourage those people to join his army who remained firm upon Islam after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and who took part in the battles against the apostates. Upon receiving the letter, Hazrat Khalid then began preparing his army. Then, with reference to the instructions of Hazrat Abu Bakr about the farmers of Iraq and the wisdom behind it, it is written that the Arabs would work as farmers in Iraq, but when the crops would be ready, the Arabs would receive very little of the produce. A majority of the produce would go to the Iranian farmers who owned the land. These land owners would inflict severe cruelty upon the poorer Arab farmers and would treat them worse than slaves. Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu ordered his commanders in Iraq not to harm the Arab farmers in battle and nor should they be killed nor taken captive. In short, they should not be mistreated in any way because they were also Arabs like them and had been subjected to torture and persecution by the Iranians. And they should be made to feel that with the establishment of the Arab government, Their days of suffering persecution were coming to an end, and now that their fellow brethren had established governance, they would be able to live under true justice, impartiality and complete equality. This wise governance of Hazrat Abu Bakr benefited the Muslims greatly and created ease along the way to victory. This was because they were no longer afraid of attack from the rear during their advancements, which would block their pathway. When Hazrat Khalid bin Walid set up camp in Libaj, Hazrat Musanna was present with his army in Khafan. Libaj was a place between Yamama and Basra and Khafan was a place near to Kufa. Hazrat Khalid wrote a letter to Hazrat Musanna for him to come to him and also sent him the letter in which Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala, instructed Hazrat Musanna bin Harza to obey Hazrat Khalid. This entire narration was from Tariq at-Tabari. In this second narration, it was mentioned that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiyallahu sent Hazrat Khalid himself. But in any case, there were battles which then ensued after this, but which wars were fought, what were their names, and the details about the victories will be mentioned in the future, insha'allah. And also the wars during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr, khilafat, in which Allah the Almighty enabled the Muslims to fight against the Persians in the area of Iraq. And also the accounts about their victories will be mentioned in the future, inshallah.
0: الحمد لله nähmadu wa nastainu wa nastaghfiru wa به bijy Una to aquellos ali وَمَا هِيَ فلا فَلَهُ دِيَلا
2: وَنَشْهَدُ
0: أَنَّ اللَّهَ إِلَٰهٌ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا نَبِيُّ رَسُولُ وَبَادَ اللَّهُ رحمكم اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يأمر أَمْرُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ إن الله you بالعدل the one who is the one who is the one who is the one who is Wa la dikroo, akbar.